and welcome to Unashamed, a Smut Lovers podcast where we just want to talk about smut. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Courtney. And today is our September favorites episode. Yay! Woohoo! As always, these are just our opinions. Don't take it that serious. If we like something, you don't, vice versa. It's not that deep. We will all move on. Yep. Um, Well, I got to be honest. I'm kind of winging it. So I made a list, but these are all the books I read at the very beginning of the month. And then I've been kind of stagnant the last half of the month. So if I get some details wrong, people, and you've read these books and you've loved them because they're all great, like, forgive me. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, I think a couple of mine are the same way where they're like, I read them earlier in the month. Yeah. I don't make a list. I just go through what I've read and then I'm like, oh, that was good. <laughs> um, I didn't make a list map that words are hard. I didn't make a list last month, but I did this month because I was like, oh, these books are really good. I want to make sure that I remember that I liked them. So yeah, my first one is a not so meat cute by Megan Quinn. Have you read it? No, I saw it recommended a bunch, and I just wasn't in the mood for male-female. Yeah, the cover makes it look like it's not that spicy, but it was. It was good. So basically, she gets fired from her job. She worked for her longtime uh, best friend who sucked. Like, I don't know any other way to describe her. She sucked. And uh, in her contract, it was stated that at the end of a certain period of time, she would get a raise and start getting paid what she was worth. So she had built up this empire for her friend. And on the day that she was supposed to get her raise, she got fired so that she wouldn't have to pay her what she was worth. <laughs> and so she was, you know, supposed to be moving out of her parents' house and. Uh, All these things, and now she's got fired. She doesn't want to tell anybody because that'd be a straight up, I told you so. So she decides that she is going to start walking through the neighborhood next to hers, which is all mansions, and she wants to snag herself a rich husband. (laughs) That's her big solution to getting fired. And uh, he, on the other hand has been trying to land this business deal with this guy, but he's kind of cold and this guy wants someone more personable. And so he tells a lie and says that he's engaged with a pregnant fiance. And so he gets pissed off at himself and decides to go for a walk. And they quite literally bump into each other and end up, on the conversation that like, hey, I'm looking for a rich husband. Hey, I'm looking for a fake pregnant fiance. Let's go eat some chips and guac. And so (laughs) um, anyways, they they decide to do it. And it's just, it's so funny. All the things that they get put through. Um, Yeah. And I don't know. They're just this like crazy eclectic couple and they're just putting them through the ringer. And, I was uh, gonna ask, how did they deal with the whole her not being pregnant? Because I'm assuming she didn't come into this fake relationship knocked up. They just pretended like she was, <laughs> and like it said multiple times, like, "Listen, like we both know this is offensive as fuck, but we're in this mess." 
So, <laughs> and he's like, he's cold and he's standoffish and she's just a hot mess. And it was just so cute. It was a really funny book. There's a second book too. I didn't like it as much as the first one. Um, it's with a different couple, which, oh, just notable mention to that book though. Um, the main character's name in that one is Kelsey. Oh, nice. Right? I finally am a main character. I am always the villain. Like, my name always. is always used for the bad person or, like, the the annoying best friend lackey of the bad person. Yeah. Um, like, always a bitch. There is never a nice Courtney in any book. No. I think I saw, like, one, like, one of those, like, erotica short romances that had the main character named Courtney. And it was the only one in the series that was boring as shit. Only yeah, one. Courtney, Courtney is, it, I mean, I love you, but it's not a notable name. No, it's not. Neither is Kelsey. <laughs> Your name is spelled so uniquely, though. It's so cute. Yeah, it's spelled like the C. All right. So for my first book, it's The Devil's Mark. It's part of the Reckless Dan series by Lark Taylor. It's a male-male, hurt, comfort, paranormal romance. It's going to be a series of standalones, or you know, there's gonna, but it's gonna follow like four brothers in a family. And so, uh, Cal or Calix, he and his three brothers are the sons of Lucifer. So they are high demons. And they, him and two of his brothers, left like a few centuries uh, ago. They left hell and left their dad and their like what they were doing down there, and decided to go up topside to Earth because they were sick and tired of, you know, what was going on in hell. They didn't want to be those people anymore, so they left and uh, came came to Earth set themselves up. And then so centuries later, they're all in, I want to say a part of London. It's in the UK somewhere. I don't know exactly where they say places, but like, it's, it's all Greek to me um, because I don't know London. So, or wherever they are. Uh, anyway, so Cal is kind of like this, like, you know, he only does one night stands and he usually doesn't, you know, mess around with too many humans and stuff like that. So he goes out to a club and Eric's his brother's like bar slash like club area. And he lays eyes on Oscar, this one human and like his entire perception, like it zeroes in on him, you know, and Oscar has just gotten out of an extremely awfully abusive relationship. I think like a year before that, like so abusive, his ex almost killed him. That's how bad it was. And his best friend had walked in and stopped the ex. And so the ex only went to jail for eight. I think it was like, no, not even 18. It was like 14 months was all he was sentenced. And so he has like super heavy anxiety disorder. He's like, he almost never goes out. He's super paranoid and he's not really looking for any like sort of partnership or anything. He's super wary, but his best friend who is like helped him pick up the pieces is like, you just need a night out. Just get a hookup, something like you need to get laid and you cannot keep living this in a shell. So 
they go out to the to that same bar and Oscar and Cal meet and Oscar feels like super attracted to the guy. I would say not quite on the level that Cal feels at first. And so they go and they almost hook up and Cal takes Oscar back to his place. They almost hook up, but then he says something that triggers an anxiety attack and Oscar just kind of like freaks out. Uh, Cal being the demon he is, though, he sends Oscar home or, you know, Oscar leaves and he stalks him home. And he's like, I don't know what it is about this human because normally I don't really care. Like there's so many of them and their lives are so short. Like I don't who cares why humans. But he's like, for some reason, I have to protect this one. And so he places his demon mark on him. And basically that's like a binding thing where he essentially has mated Oscar. But there's certain things about it. Like uh, if Oscar decides to, and Oscar has no idea. He's sleeping at this point. Like Cal breaks into his house and places this mark on him. That's supposed to, he, you know, Cal thinks it's going to protect him, like ward supernatural people away from him and, you know, just generally help him. And, you know, but it binds Cal to him essentially to where like, his demon has now said, Oscar is ours. Like, we are going to protect him and nurture him. That's mating mark, essentially. And so, series of events happen. They end up kind of like getting back into contact. I think, oh, yeah, somebody corners Oscar because he has a, like a demon corners Oscar because like other supernaturals can tell that he has the mark. And Cal has come save him. And so then he learns, oh my God, demons, supernaturals, all that shit's real. And, uh, you know, all of, all of the whole life blowing up thing. And so they're, while all this is going on and Oscar and Cal are kind of like starting to form a relationship and, you know, get through the, you know, abuse aspect with Oscar and him, like, you know, to build himself up again. All of that is happening while uh, the th three brothers have been summoned back to hell by Lucifer. And they're like, we're not going to go. And so one of the dad's lackeys decides, you know, he says, uh, you know, if you don't, we're going to kill your brother that stayed behind. And you have by like this time to do it. And so they're trying to like figure out a way to get their brother up to earth and like, Oh, it's so good. Like it, I'm probably not explaining it the best way, but like this book is so freaking good. And not only that, but it packed so much emotion and steam and like subplot and all of that into this one standalone. And it's a complete standalone for the couple and this particular story like line. So like it, it really was a complete standalone and I'm really excited for the next brother. Nice. It sounds good. Sounds like a good paranormal. Okay. My next one is the Wolf Hotel series by K.A. Tucker. Here's the thing. This book created like a visceral reaction in me. Like I was, I don't know if you remember me texting you. I do. You asked freaking the fuck out. <laughs> because, um, yeah, something happens in book two that just... I was, I was, I had an actual panic attack about it. It fucked me up. But then, like, it gets resolved really quick and things are fine. But damn. 
it, it fucked me up for a minute. Anyways, so the series is about this girl. She's from a small town, and she came from a very, very religious family, and she was engaged to the preacher's son, and they had been saving themselves for marriage, and they were supposed to get married once they graduated college, and they were, like, almost done with college, I think, when she caught him cheating on her. She caught him having sex with somebody else, and they had been together for years, like, since they were children. They had been together with the understanding that they would get married, and you know, all the things, and they had just been, you know, saving themselves for each other, and he decided, you know, it's different for men, and I need to have sex, but I want you to save yourself, so I'm just gonna go and do this chick, and then he was bringing her home, and flaunting her around the church, and things like that, so she was kind of the talk of the town that, like, the preacher's boy, you know, found somebody else, and, like, just told her, well, you need to just wait until he's done sowing his wild oats and blah, blah, blah. Really toxic behavior from the whole town towards her. Um, They didn't think it was his fault. They thought it was her fault, basically. And uh, so she was like, fuck this. I'm going to try to leave and I'm going to try to find a job somewhere else. And so she goes to a job fair and she gets a job in Alaska for this really exclusive resort, um, really high-end exclusive, uh, like, seasonal resort in Alaska. And uh, so she goes out there, and there's an issue with her job position. So she applied for outdoor. She got the job for outdoor. She gets there. They tell her she's in housekeeping. She's like, no, trust me. Like, you don't want me in housekeeping. I'm much better outdoors. And so there's just issues with that and then finally she gets put with uh as like a liaison for one of the suites well before that happens actually she gets really drunk her first night there because she's never done anything before she was always a good girl so she gets drunk and this guy finds her about to fall into the water and she just confesses all of these things my fiance cheated on me and you know would you have sex with me and like all these things and then come to find out that he was the owner of the hotels. And so he puts her as his personal assistant and kind of is like really unprofessional. Like gets undressed in front of her and just like eggs her on and tests her uh, constantly. It's just like really, really unprofessional. But he keeps saying like, I'm not going to sleep with the help. I'm not going to sleep with the help but also is kind of, like, leading her on at the same time and then is rude to her out in public. So, like, he's kind of a dick. And um, it was just, I don't know, a lot happens, but that's how it all starts out. And eventually, yes, he does end up sleeping with the help. But something happens in book two that I was just like, like a real-life situation that had you have an anxiety attack or like a this-is-a-messed-up-dark-romance kind of situation? No, like a real life situation. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's so, not fun. Yeah, it was. He led her to believe something that wasn't true because he's a dick, but also it was like her fault. 
I hate when the main character is naive. She's naive in the beginning. She gets over that as the series goes on. But in the beginning, she's very naive. And so she believes something that didn't happen and decides to take her revenge, basically. Like, fuck you. You did this. I'll do that. And I, I was just like, he didn't fucking do it. I know he didn't do it. I know he didn't do it. And you're going to do it anyways. And like... And she did, and he didn't, and it was. I was like, mm, "Bitch." I, here, here's my two cents oh. on that. If you give me the impression that you have done something, and you make it believable enough, and do not correct that impression, whatever happens after that is a direct result of you being an asshole and leading me under that impression. Like, God forbid, my partner ever came to me, and. I was under the impression that he was unfaithful or something like that. And he let me believe that. And I took some sort of action after that, that directly falls under his consequence. And it sucks that, you know, whatever happened after transpired, but maybe you should have, I don't know, rectified the situation prior to that. Like, well, the way it went down was, so he, uh, like, there was a series of miscommunications with other people. Oh, right. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good series. It was. Because she doesn't stay She doesn't stay naive the whole time. And she kind of... Um, well, after that happens, he leaves for, like, a long time. And then when he comes back, it's kind of like a will-they-won't-they they thing, you know? And then she gets immersed into his life a little bit but then something happens and she has to go home and he's running you know multi-billion dollar company and so he can't just go to her little town in Pennsylvania or wherever the fuck and run the farm with her you know and yeah. so it's like they do the long distance thing for a little while and you know he's friends with models and whatever but the book, the series is very um, sexually open, I guess is the best way to say it. So, like, technically, it's a male-female, but there's some, you know, threesomes in there. There's some female-female in there. There's some, all the, all the things, all the ways that you could put the peoples together. I don't think there's any male-male. I don't think, I don't remember. But Almost all the ways. Yeah, like, but everything else is covered, you know? Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's like, I don't want you to just be with one person and then be stuck that way not knowing. You know, he's like, I've done all the things. So if you want to do the things, then we'll do the things together. And, and then after you've done the things, that's it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, so it's very sexually open. There's a lot of... uh a lot of sex it's it's very sex heavy but um yeah it was it was really good i really enjoyed it i'm happy that i stuck through it <laughs> fair enough all right so my next one is illicit desires by ashley james it's the third and i think last one of this series although there there might be like another one that's not really connected so uh, this one is Crew and Anderson, 
which they're like best friends from way, way back. Like I want to say almost toddler age. And uh, Anderson is the twin brother of one of the main characters from the second book. And male, male, obviously. So uh, this one actually technically started at the very end of the second book. Like uh, there's a party. I want to say, what was it? It was like for the end of the prior year of college. And they were at a party and crew is an addict so he got injured his senior year of high school he was a football player he got a massive injury that ended his career and while he was uh, healing he got hooked on pain pills so flash forward to this last part this party uh he ends up overdosing he takes like one too many and mixes the pills and winds up in the hospital And you'd think that would be rock bottom, but nope, not for crew. So uh, he wakes up in the hospital and his best friend Anderson is sitting in the chair. His best friend like begs him to get clean, you know, and he's like, yeah, sure. I'll go to a program. He goes to like this little six week program and it does nothing for him. So he, everybody around him thinks that he's clean now, except for his dealer and himself, obviously. And he is navigating kind of, you know, just lying. Uh, You know, his parents are neglectful as fuck. Like, they haven't been around since I think he hit high school. So, like, he's always really just kind of been on his own. And he really cares about Anderson. He's known he's in love with his best friend since, like, you know, he first started awakening, I guess, is by. But he's kind of just always, like, shoved that down because Anderson is his person and he does not want him to leave. He's very clingy to that friendship and, like, that's that's his one good thing, his one saving grace is that he has Anderson. And so Anderson is under the impression that he is clean. Anderson also thinks that he is straight. He has a girlfriend. And let me tell you, I do not – I get that it's not her fault, like, you know, but she's not really set up to be super nice. Like, and, and this, that's just my opinion. Like, there's nothing wrong with her. She seems okay at first, but, like, I think she's set up to, like, not be your favorite character. So that way, when uh, an event happens in the book, you're like, oh, well, I don't feel that bad. Uh, at least that's how I saw it. So, um, anyway, Crew and Anderson, it's got to be, like, the next summer. So, they're, I think out of their sophomore year of college now and or maybe it's their junior I can't remember uh anyway they are kind of they grow through the year together but they're long distance because Anderson went to the college that they had both dreamed about going to and crew stayed local like with you know where he lived and went to college there so uh anyway it goes through the year and then summer hits and Like, obviously, Anderson comes back home. They're spending the summer together, you know, doing various events with their friends. And they end up going on a camping trip. And there's, like, some times before that where, like, they had, like, woken up cuddling in bed together. And Anderson was kind of, like, getting this, like, why am I popping a boner for my bestie? You know, this is weird. I've never thought of him like that. And crew is kind of, like, oh, no, I got to, like, shove that deeper, you know, 
So on this camping trip, stuff kind of sparks fly, things happen, but Anderson is still dating uh, the girlfriend. And so they are just making up. They're like, well, kissing's fine. We've already done that. We've already crossed that line. We just can't cross anymore. But, you know, it's a slippery slope when you're doing other things that are trying not to cross the line. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good book, though. Um, I I loved it. I, I even texted you to make sure that you were going to talk about it because I already had five. Yeah, I, I love all of these books. When I remember you talked about them at one point. And then, like, a while later, it just was recommended to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could go for a mail mail. And then I texted you about them. You're like, yeah, no, I've read. I think it was only the first one at that point. But the second one was, like, coming out. And you were like, yeah, no, I've read them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I recommended them on the biweekly, like, a long yeah. time ago. When the first, like, right after the first book. Or right after I read the first book, anyways. Okay. My next one is Mercy by Sarah Kate. It's the newest one in the Salicious Players Club series. Um, this was so freaking good. So if you've read the series and you know in the first book, it's like an ex-boyfriend's dad book. Well, the ex-boyfriend is the main male character in this book. So it's him and his dad's business partner. She's the only female business partner for the sex club or kink club or whatever you want to call it. So she's kind of sexually reserved. She doesn't go out and hook up. She doesn't, like, have a boyfriend, anything. Like, she's happy with her vibrator. And she's she's fine. She feels like she's vanilla. She doesn't think she has any kinks, even though she's an owner of a kink club. And so finally, she decides to take a quiz to see if she does have any kinks. She's not really taking it seriously. The other girls are pressuring her, but she takes a quiz and she finds out that she is a dom and a, a brat tamer. So she's kind of like, whatever, yada, yada. And then on the other end, Bo is talking with some of his friends and they are talking about the quiz and how they're finding people to hook up on the app with and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, this is so stupid. Like, I'm going to take it and it's just going to tell me that I'm vanilla. And so he takes the quiz and finds out that he is a submissive and a brat. And so they end up anonymously linked on the app and they start talking and they kind of get the vibe that like neither one of them really believes it but they're willing to find out together they're willing to kind of see if this is really the case together and they decide to meet on masquerade night at the club so they both are wearing masks. They don't know who the other person is. And they end up going into the dark room. So they don't see each other. They start to get like a little bit uh, into it. And then I think, I don't remember exactly what happened. But I think she recognized his voice or something like that. And is like, Bo? And he's like, Maggie? And <laughs> then she's like, oh my god, like you're my best friend's son. Like we can't do this. And, um, but he kind of like wears her down and they decide, well, let's just see if we can figure things out together, but like no sex. 
So at first it's like a non, hmm, I wouldn't say completely non-sexual, but no penetrative sex uh, while they're figuring out their kinks. And it's just, it was really good. I really, really liked it. Sarah Kate is a great author though. Um, and she does a really great job with this series, especially. So if you have been reading it along the whole way, then you already know these characters and it was kind of exciting to see them paired together. I think it's exciting because I know that like Bo gets his like redemption in book one with the ex-girlfriend and the dad sort of, but I feel like it's really nice because you you don't see a whole, whole lot of good in Bo in book one. And then I think he's like casually mentioned in the other ones or whatever, like a passing. But, and same with Maggie, you don't really know a lot about her, except for, yeah, she does seem a little more reserved. So I, I think it's a really nice idea that it's a good redemption for Bo because you really probably get to see a lot more of him in his book. Yeah, you do. And, um, he definitely is, and uh, he he doesn't redeem himself off the bat either. He still has a lot of issues with his dad and um, with what's the f- whatever his ex girlfriend's name is. I don't remember her is name. With a K, I don't know. I don't know. Also, I, I wonder know. if maybe that's another reason why they didn't work because they were both submissive and he was a brat. Yeah. Which brats yeah. tend to just, I mean. I'm not saying I'm, like, into the kink community, but from what you see of brats and, like, I've met a couple who do have a lifestyle, like, they seem to just kind of have that attitude a little bit 24-7. Yeah, and so it was something that he, you know, had to learn about himself because he thought he was totally vanilla and then finding out that maybe he wasn't as vanilla as he thought and maybe this is why none of his relationships had worked before. And maybe this is why this didn't work and that didn't work is because he was just going about life in the wrong mindset, you know, um, thinking that he wasn't good enough the way that he was. And really, it's just you just need some direction. And so Maggie provided him with some direction. And it was just it was a really, really good book. Um, and it wasn't like. I mean, there's one leather scene, I think, but it wasn't like, you know, she just jumped straight into wearing leather and beating him or whatever, you know, like, because she was new to the kink scene as well. So it was more about them figuring stuff out together than it was about, uh, you know, some of some books you get and they just jump right in. They're already experienced with kink and whatever, but neither of them were in this one. And so it was interesting. It was good. I That's really liked cool. it. I'll have to I'll have to go read it. I know you've been putting it off, but I'm telling you it's good. All right. Eventually. <laughs> uh so my next one is The Throne of Lies. It is the last, I believe, underestimated novel by Candace Wright. Uh this book was just every other book. Candace Wright is an amazing author. I'm not disappointed at all. I loved it. So uh, this one follows Sailor and uh, it's the Kings of Carnage. She is. That's the daughter, right? No. No. Who's Sailor? She is a random girl. Uh, Oh, okay. You'll you'll find out in a second who she is. So uh, one of 
the Kings of Carnage. I know we've talked about these books before, but I'm going to do a little rundown because you kind of have to know about the club in order to understand the dynamic that's about to happen. So in these books, in the Kings of Carnage MC, every uh, there's like this team or partnership or whatever of three guys. And if they are going to have an old lady, a woman, wife, you know, their person, all three guys have to be like with her. And they have this rule because dangerous stuff happens. You could all die. Also, because it, it really keeps it keeps you like together, motivated, whatever. So um, one of these guys, his younger brother had uh, he was like the golden child. He was the parents favorite. His parents are really wealthy and well off. And so uh his younger brother was like the football star and all of that. And all of a sudden, this girl, Sailor, comes out and accuses him of raping her. And the brother is like, no, 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 no. I, she was into me and I rejected her advances. Mind you, she was 14 or 15 and he was 18. So um, when she came out and she was like, you know, he raped me. She stood her ground. She never stopped saying it. Um and so nobody believed her, though, because he was the rich kid and she was, I mean, she was wealthy, too, but not enough. And so eventually the town basically chased her out of town, like her parents' mar marriage fell apart. Nobody believed her. And so she leaves town. And then I want to say it's been seven years because she has like a six-year-old daughter. So uh, she comes back years later. And the brother finds out that she's back in town. And so he and his two partners, um, which who are twin brothers, he's like, I'm going to go scare her into leaving town again. Because the brother ended up dying, like, uh, I think a year after she left. He ended up, like, wrapping his car around a tree and uh, dying. So he's like, this is the bitch that, like, probably led my brother to dying and she was a liar and da, 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 da. so he goes over there he she opens the door sees that it's the brother tries to close it he kicks the door and with these two fucking bikers like there's three big giant bikers coming into her home she's terrified the brother grabs her around the throat and is like yelling and then all of a sudden this little girl that looks exactly like her, the brother comes out and so he freezes and he's like oh fuck and so Sailor has time. She goes, she grabs a gun and she points it at the back and she says, if you don't leave, I will kill you. I have done this one. Like I have had to deal with your family once. I will not do it again. And so he leaves. He's in a state of shock because his 18 year old brother, even if it was consensual, she was like 14 or 15. Either way, she was underage and he was an 18 year old golden boy. And he was like, oh, shit, maybe shit really happened. Dude's a fucking mess. I just need to say that like off the bat. He tries, he ends up going and like he asks her for uh, a DNA test. She says no because she was like, I don't care whether or not like you, for one, you tried to hurt me. For two, like I don't want your parents anywhere near my daughter because of God forbid they raised you and your brother. Uh, so anyway, one of the uh, club presidents ends up like being at a diner with them with uh, the girl and her mom and he swipes like a glass the little girls does the dna test behind the back and then lets the brother know like yeah it's it's your niece 
oh my god there is so much going on in this book by the way so anyway the twins are kind of trying to like start a relationship the the uh the uncle is like back and forth with her back and forth and then the girl's best friend because she had been out of state for all this time the girl's best friend flies in and it turns out that she was going to surrogate for the best friend and her husband but they were surrogating the old-fashioned way where like the girl uh sailor and her best friend were like you know having doing the nasty and then the husband was fucking sailor to like put a baby in her so like they were you know having some group fun and so while this is happening she's kind of starting a relationship with the twins and kind of with the uncle but that's it gets rocky quite a bit and then lots and lots and lots of events happen like i can't even go into detail like it this is what j.a owen B's book wanted to be but could not achieve because it is event after event after event and holy shit but it was done so well i'm gonna read it very soon oh my god you have to and this is actually the only one of all the biker oh i, I can't say it oh never mind i'm gonna i'm gonna read it mm, maybe after perfect strangers i i recommend that you do i would say that out of all the underestimated novels this one is probably my second favorite which one's your favorite? Uh, the first one. Me too. <laughs> um, okay. So my next one is, well, the whole Mr. Series by T.L. Swan is amazing, but specifically Mr. Garcia, I think was my favorite out of the three because there's lots of angst and we know, we know. So anyways, so she got a divorce and she went to college in, I don't remember where in the UK. I don't know if they're in London or where they are. They're somewhere in the UK. And uh, she decides to go to college out there and she's like dirt poor. So she gets a job at a coffee shop and it doesn't really support her so she still has to live in the dorms um but she doesn't have enough money to live on her own and the dorm next to her is like always having parties and she can't study can't sleep like it's really just a hard time for her and so she gets this job opportunity to go and it's basically like a high-class call girl, kind of, but not really. So they go out and they model and then the guys auction and she gets to pick which guy to spend the night with. She doesn't have to have sex with them, but she does have to stay the whole night with them. So anyways, she gets that job. But before that happens, while she's working at the coffee shop, which she's still doing, um... Every day, this older man has been coming in and, you know, smiling at her and whatever and buying a coffee. And every day, her coffee tastes like shit and he throws it out as soon as he leaves. But he still comes back every day to buy a coffee from her. And so, when she is working her first shift for this club, I don't remember what it's called, but she sees the guy that keeps coming in to buy coffee 
And so she chooses him and the guys don't really have a say in it. Like it's the, the women are the ones that get to make the choice. And he's like, no, I'm not going to spend the night with her because he's all upset that like she's basically selling herself now when he thought she was just this sweet little barista. And she's like, no, like that's who I choose. And so they go in to spend the night together and they do end up having sex and she says, you know, I'm going to quit the job, whatever. Um, but I just have to do like this many more shifts because I need to be able to move out of the dorms. And I like, she's like, I won't have sex with anybody, but I have to do this, you know? And, uh, she ends up getting him again. And then like things happen. They form a relationship, but she finds out something that I don't want to spoil anything. I'm like trying to make this as short and sweet as possible and just going over the beginning because this is one of those books where there were so many plot twists where I was like, what the fuck? Um, She finds out something and he reacts in a horrible way and breaks her heart and they split up. And then they, it goes like years in the future where they end up coming in contact with each other again. I don't want to say any more than that because it would be a huge spoiler because I was like, what the fuck? Um, but <laughs> it's so fucking good. This whole series is, I, this is the second TL Swan series that I've read and amazing author. Any books by this author, I'm sure are fantastic, but this one was uh, super good. I just remember being like so invested when I was reading it. I did read this one. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about it. I was telling you about this book I read and this happened. You're like, wait. I was like, I know for a fact I've read this book. I just don't remember like when. It was probably a long time ago. Yeah, it was released in 2021. So last year. Which is a long time ago for me. I go through so many books. It was, but it was so fucking good. Like the emotions the whole time. Like my heart broke with her heart. Like I just, oh, it was so fucking good. This, this whole series is amazing. This author is fantastic. She just released um, the do-over recently too. And that book was fucking great as well. I couldn't, I was having a hard time deciding between Mr. Garcia and the do-over because they were both just so good. But both, I'll just read Teal Swan. You're sleeping on them if you haven't. Yeah. Okay. So my next one is Seeing Sound. It's part of the Tasting Madness series. This is the only book out. It's book one, and it's by Albany Walker, uh, who's a pretty good uh, author. So. It starts with uh, the main female character, Waylon. She's in an um, institution, I guess would be the most appropriate way to say it. She's in a mental institution because so ever since she was little, she's gotten like these wisps of like thought from three voices. Maybe it's two, Uh, but she doesn't like it. They're just like random, like, parts of thoughts like it's not like they're consciously talking to her they're just kind of like you know thoughts of like random things in their lives and stuff like that 
And so she doesn't really know what to do about it. And so uh, her parents are supportive, but like she doesn't know, you know, they're not sure if it's like schizophrenia or something like that. Like none of the voices are harmful or uh, bad. It's just literally little whiffs. So she gets out like right after I would assume like high school's over. She's graduated high school and then she's about to go to college. And so she decides to go to college um, out of state and away from her parents. And so her parents are like really well off. So they like buy her a house because it doesn't make sense for her to like rent for four years and they get kind of like the special, you know, and, and the like condition is she has to like take her meds and do her therapy, which she's fine with. But because of the fact that like, this is kind of uh, crippled her like social life and stuff like that, because, you know, I would assume the kids around her know of the situation that she, the ones that she grew up with. So like, she didn't have a whole lot of a social life or anything like that or any friends really. And then obviously when she was institutionalized, like that's a stigma. So she comes to this college, she's like doing freshman orientation and she ends up running into this guy and he is like, he's kind of an asshole about it. And you know, barks at her and it was a total accident like she had just she wasn't paying attention she bumped into him so then it turns out that he's the ta for one of her classes and uh he's like notorious for like not getting near anybody really and like stuff like that so uh the ta also has a brother and the brother is like kind of the opposite like he's a lot more open he's a lot more sweet and he kind of like instantly latches on to waylon and so like, Waylon is really just kind of trying to figure out who she is. And so she, you know, she, but she's really lonely. So when she kind of starts getting to know Oz, one of the brothers, the, you know, the younger, more open brother, and the older one is kind of like tagging along and he's starting to feel things too. So they're both feeling things. And I think they had like this prior knowledge and like decision that because of uh, their past that they were going to always have someone who was open to both of them because the older one doesn't didn't really feel like he could be emotionally open to a, a woman. And, you know, because his brother is his first and only priority. And then they also have a best friend who like comes around, who's the same age as the older brother. And uh, he's like the third in their little trio. Anyway, so it starts off pretty rocky between them. There's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of, you know, like things are happening. But the guys quickly become like hooked. Like they're, and she does too. Like they all kind of become like a little codependent on each other. Uh, the best friend's kind of left out for most of book one. But I'm going to assume that he will eventually be a part of the relationship because it just kind of seems like that's where it's going. Uh, this does end up on a cliffhanger and um, also a huge misunderstanding. So it's really good though. It was a lot more like emotional than physical. And I want to say Albany Walker, that's typical. Like, so, I mean, I liked it. I'm excited for book two. Did we ever find out what the voices were? Like, is this a paranormal? Oh, it's book? the, Sorry, when she meets the brothers, she recognizes it's their voices. And so she's, like, hearing, like, wisps of their thoughts. Like, not all the time and not, like, all, but, like, maybe it's, like, strong thoughts or whatever. But she's been hearing them since she was a little girl. So, like. So it is, it is a paranormal it is a, then? 
kind of sort of, I'm assuming, yeah, it's going to be a paranormal thing, but also like there's so little about like this story has started so slowly. Like really it's just like introducing the characters and kind of like starting to build that relationship and stuff like that, that the, it's almost like the mind reading aspect is really just kind of pushed to the wayside. Other than the fact that she's medicated, she's going, she thinks that it's like possibly a mental condition, but then she doesn't understand why she like, why it's the guys' voices that she's recognizing and why she's like, when she's close to them, she can kind of hear like a thought or two. Hmm. Well, it sounds like it's going to be good. Um, Okay, my last one is Cali Boy by Charlie Meadows. This was so cute. It was a good book. Um, so there's Finn and Oliver. Finn was in an accident. Uh, I believe his, if I remember correctly, his mom died in the accident. So his dad is now a widower and he gets remarried. Uh, without even telling Finn that, like, like I don't even think he told Finn that he was seeing somebody and then shows up with a wife and his wife has a kid. And so he goes to meet his new stepbrother and he already has it in his head that he's going to hate this guy. And he meets him and he just immediately, like, feels a sense of protection over him. This kid with the big smiles and... Are you doing Caliboy right now? Yeah. Oh, my God. I missed the title. And I was like, wait, that's my next one. Oh, well, perfect. Because so. we've been talking for a long time. <laughs> um, so, anyways, he just – he can't hate this kid. He immediately feels, like, affection for him and tenderness. And he's just sunshine personified is what the – blurb says and it's very accurate um and then oliver you know he's sunshine because he went through a lot of shit when they were living in california and he wanted this as a fresh start like it there's not much that could happen to him now that is gonna tear him down because nobody knows what happened to him before you know and uh anyways they get close and one thing le leads to another. I believe it's a bisexual awakening for Finn, or at least a gay for you for Finn. Um, it is a hurt comfort kind of on both ends because they both had their own issues and they just handled it different ways. Like Oliver, you know, just forced positivity and sunshine and, you know, things are going to be okay now. And Finn was broody and grumpy and really only gave a shit about Oliver and uh, they immediately got super close and it was just, it was a really cute, really good book. This was adorable. And also the last book on my list too. So <laughs> do you have anything to add? No, I really, I loved this story so much and I actually only got it because you said that you were reading it and you were like, Oh, it's good. And so I was like, Oh, well, I'll try it out. So I was in the mood for a grumpy sunshine and it yeah. turned out so much better than I was, like, expecting. Yeah, it was really cute. It was really good. He, I I was scared because sometimes with the stepbrother tropes, it's an enemies to lovers. Like, so so often with the stepbrother's trope, it's, it's enemies to lovers. And I was kind of nervous that it was going to be that way. I just 
I didn't really want that, and I started it, and it it wasn't that way. They kind of portrayed in the blurb like it could be, but he just immediately softened up to Oliver and was like, okay, you'll be my person now. Yeah, and that's so cute. I just like that trope in general where it's like, you're my person. Like, even if the romance is slow, but they're, you know, they just – they just take care of their little cinnamon roll and they don't really understand the feelings that kind of attach to that. I love that. Me too. And that was this. Yeah. This book was that. (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect. All right. So that is everything you guys. Holy shit. We recorded for an hour and that doesn't even count the first recording. Yeah. We recorded for a long ass time. Yeah. But our next episode, we're finally going to read Perfect Strangers. Uh, Courtney's is so excited. Yeah, so excited. I think she's being dramatic. <laughs> I think it'll be fine because I'm, we're doing it together. If I was doing it by myself, I'd probably be in the same. If nothing else, I know it'll be written well. It'll be written well, yes, and... I think we'll have plenty of time to actually talk some theories out, get some thoughts out, get some feelings out. Um, it is, I believe, another non-traditional ending. That's what it, it originally said that, and then the author took it off. I don't like well, non-traditional That was ending. how it was for Pen Pal, too. It originally said that, and then it was taken off. Yeah, so, which fucking Pen Pal, non-traditional. Oh, I still... I still, my blood heats sometimes when I think about that. I'm like, God damn it. Ghosts. Yeah. But if they haven't read it, then at that listen, point. If you haven't read it, you need to go read it. Yeah. Or, yeah. And, or and listen, listen to, to our episode. Episode. Either way. Mm, all right. But, that's all. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it from, uh, from us, folks. Words are hard. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great night. Bye. Thanks, bye. <laughs>